Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Lemkuler, Extension Professor at the University of Kentucky. Through the Beef Bits Podcast, we will share current news, management tips, new research, and other issues related to beef cattle production. I'll be joined by various guests to bring different views and insights on these topics. I hope you will follow or subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast and find information useful. For the next few episodes, I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Les Anderson, Reproductive Management Specialist at the University of Kentucky, to discuss how we can control the breeding season and calving seasons in our herds. We will cover some of the estrus synchronization protocols and how these tools in our toolbox can help improve the production efficiency in our cow-calf systems. Sit back and enjoy these discussions as they are timely with the breeding season fast approaching. Enjoy, and be sure to subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. Once again, I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Les Anderson, to continue some discussions on estrus synchronization. You can tell, Les, this is something that you really are interested in. You've done a lot of research and applied on-farm demonstrations to figure out some of these protocols and it seems like they continue to evolve over time. Yeah. You know, the, the real, my real interest in AI is, you know, AI allows us to use bulls with high accuracy. And so you get what you pay for when you use a natural service sire. um, They're typically moderate to lower accuracies. And so there's more variation around um, the product uh, because, you know, it's not, it's low accuracy. And, and if we actually want to make progress in our program, we need to reduce some of the variability as much as we can. And one of the sources of variability is sire and genetics. And so that's really, that, that's why, I mean, I, when we talk about synchronization versus natural service or synchronization for AI, if you want to make rapid progress and predictable progress, you use AI. And that's, you know, it's not research that we've done. I mean, that's research that was done years ago. And that's a little bit of logic and common sense too, application of math principles, right? <laughs> and statistics. But, uh, you know, folks that are wanting to, to control their product and and to make rapid progress in their breeding programs ai is a great tool and uh we've we've had these techniques for decades um at one point in time jeff i really thought we were probably at our biological limit but it seems like we keep finding little places to tweak ai uh and and our pro, uh, pro processes uh each year and um it's getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and so the opportunities for people to be successful with AI are, have increased quite a bit, actually, over the last decade. Yeah, and we think about artificial insemination, um, you know, the, the, it's a tool there that we have for increasing our genetic diversity or, you know, the, to get in there and, and get some quote-unquote genetics from outside our, our area, and, and it allows us to maybe sample some different sires that we may not be able to go out and buy. Yep, absolutely. 
And, you know, if, you know, on one of these previous or one of these podcasts, we talked about, you know, product market fit, you know, that's a business term, but you want your product to fit your market. And if you have uh, an identifiable market that our marketing plan that makes you money, you know, use a predictable source of genetics so that you can hit your market. You know, and it, you know, know, it's, I wrote about it uh, a couple months ago on Cow Country News, but we don't think about product market fit, but it's, it's, it's the key to a successful small business. And we apply some of those small business principles to our cattle operations. It's going to help us both in the lean times and in the profitable times. That's a good point and a great way to think about it. And so, as we move back in, we think about artificial insemination. There's uh, <clears throat> a couple ways to do that, and one would be to to breed off of natural standing asterisks and and watch for cows that are in heat and, and artificially inseminate them. And then the other ways would be to use some kind of protocol that would allow us to manipulate when they may come into asterisks. Um, so why don't why don't you maybe share with us in just kind of general, um, some of the approaches to kind of controlling asterisks and, and when those cows are going to come into heat, and then we'll eventually get to one of the newer protocols, the seven and seven protocol. You bet. Um, and I'm, I'm going to use examples from people, uh, you know, that I deal with. AI can be done in a, a number of different ways. Um, like you said, if you if you have the ability, you, you're you're confident, you're you're trained, you've had experience, um, and you want to watch heat, you have the time, and I mean, you know, there's there's some fun factor to it too. You know, I mean, it's 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 fun to kind of you're with your cows every day, you're breeding your cows and so forth. Uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that enjoy that. Um, that is the most efficient method from a conception rate standpoint. Now I want to define conception rate. Conception rate is a percentage of females that breed on one given heat. So a guy up in Northern Kentucky that I've worked with for years, um, he's got 200 cows, old dairyman. We mentioned him in one of the other podcasts, Tom Moore. He is hundred percent confident in his ability to breed cows. When they come in heat, he breeds them. And he, you know, using high-quality semen from reputable sources, he runs about 70 to 75% conception over the seven years that I've worked with him. That's the best. That's I mean, that you're at biological max right there, you know. He doesn't synchronize because he runs freezer beef and sells fat cattle and he doesn't care. Doesn't matter to him. Most people aren't that way though. You know, 85% of our farmers have off farm jobs, right? And I'd say even, you know, less than 10% really know how to AI. And so if you're interested in AI, you've got to find a way to get a technician in and that's going to require synchronizing estrus so that you can control the timing of when that technician is there because we don't have that many technicians in the state. I mean, there's going to be less than probably 50 people that you can hire to come in to breed cows. 
Um, and so their, their time is, is you're going to, you know, they're under a lot of time crunch during the breeding fall and spring breeding season. So, you know, you're going to be able to need to schedule those folks time. And, uh, to do that, we've got to synchronize when those cows come into heat. And it, it's been an issue with the beef industry for decades. And, uh, so we have really worked to find effective methods to control a fertile heat. And, uh, we're, 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 we're gotten programs now that are there that, do an exceptional job and um well i assume we're just going to dive right into those protocols yeah i think if you know we we've seen technology come along and and you know i remember when i was in grad school and they were actually doing some of the preliminary work to get the cedars approved and introduced into the u.s it started in the sheep industry as i recall and uh, um that product then moved on to the beef cattle industry side and so um we call that a cedar and you can explain what a cedar is here in a bit but yeah why don't we why don't we just kind of jump into what some of these protocols are and um and we're thinking again um about artificial insemination we, we've had a podcast where we've talked about synchronizing estrus for natural mating or bull breeding but now we're going to focus on artificial insemination and so why don't you run down some of those yeah i'm and i'm just going to stick with the the ones that i recommend and i'm not going to talk about anything else that's okay i'm going to start with cows um there's two protocols to consider in in mature cows uh well even and two-year-olds too i mean i'm throwing anything that's had a calf you know there's two protocols to uh to consider the most reliable um and I say that only because there's been millions of cows bred using these, literally using the seven day system, but it's called seven day co-sync on the first day you, you, you put a cedar device in a cedar is a, a T shaped plastic intravaginal device that's coated in progesterone. You insert it in the, in the vagina of the cow. Um, and the body fluids soak up the progesterone that's, that's embedded into the plastic uh, uh, of the device. And so you put that in a cow, uh, you give her a shot of GNRH seven, seven days later, you pull the cedar out, you give her a shot of prostaglandin and 66 hours later, you do the timed AI. So what are those drugs doing? The progesterone, uh, from the cedar device is giving the cow a signal that there's a CL there. There could already be a CL there, but there might not be a CL there. And we need the brain to think there's a CL in the system. Right. And, and just to define a CL is a corpus luteum. And, and where does that structure come from? It is the, the, the CL is on the ovary. The CL produces progesterone. So uh, it is the kind of interestrous hormone. So between estruses, that's the hormone that dominates. And so when a cow's brain sees that hormone, she thinks that she ovulated already, that she's got to see, you know, she's in the reproductive process. And you're like, well, you know, why, why do we do that? Well, half of the half of your herd is not going to be cycling when you put that cedar in. And that half is what the cedar's for. The cedar tells those anesterous cows that they're cycling. 
And so we're kind of tricking her brain to thinking that she's cycling to prepare the rest of her system to come into heat. And the, the Cedar device is, I mean, it's used, its biological effectiveness is, is really on anesterous cows. It's very little advantage to giving a Cedar to a, to a cycling cow, very little. And so the anesterous cows, the Cedar is very important. The shots, GnRH prostaglandin, are vital for the cycling cows. Okay, the GnRH up front kills any uh, dominant follicle that's there and starts a new follicle growing. Lots of research in the past has shown that uh, a newly recruited follicle rushing to stimulate estrus uh, is more fertile than a follicle that's been hanging around for a while. So we want to get rid of the follicles that are hanging around, get a new follicle growing, give it the signals it needs to rush to stimulate estrus, and that's going to optimize our ability to get that cow pregnant. We come in, uh, you know, when we pull the cedar seven days after we give the GnRH and put the cedar in, we pull the cedar out and give uh, prostaglandin. The prostaglandin is used uh, to kill any CL that happened to already be on the ovary. So, you know, if 50% of our cows are anesterous, the cedar worked on that. If 50% of our cows are cycling, then we need the GnRH and prostaglandin for them. And so that prostaglandin plus the cedar pool gets progesterone going down in every cow and progesterone has to decline before estrus can occur. And so that, that the, the, the two important things are, are the cedar for the anesterous cows and the shots are for the cycling cows. And we, since we don't know which cows are which, we put it all together into one program. We pull the cedar, give prostaglandin, and then those cows start coming in heat. You'll start seeing heat as early as uh, 36 to 48 hours. Uh, if you want to, you can breed, breed off those heats. They're totally natural, um, totally normal heats. Um, if you're gonna AI off of heat, AI 12 to 14 hours later, uh, most folks will implement this pro protocol, Jeff. They want to time AI, and tons of research shows that if the time AI occurs about 66 hours after you remove the cedar and get prostaglandin, you maximize fertility. And so you're like, well, 66 hours, that's crazy. How am I going to do that? Well, if you got the technician coming on Thursday at 9 o'clock, okay, then Monday, the previous Monday, at three o'clock, you pull the cedar and give loot. That puts you at 66 hours when, she, when he gets there or she gets there and we can get the, uh, the breeding done at the optimal time. And that's, that's really, uh, I have used that system a ton and I absolutely love it. It is so consistent and so predictable. Um, you're gonna get 65% of the cows in heat when you, when you get in there at 66 hours, fertility is fantastic. I mean, we're normally running somewhere between 60 and 65% conception rate uh, for cows. And so that's a little bit under, you know, what we get when we look at nat breeding off of natural service, but the labor savings and so forth is, is, is certainly worth the re slight reduction in, in overall fertility. And I've, you know, I've had some home runs in that rascal too. You know, you'll get 80, 85% every now and then. Um, and we have some 40, 45%. But uh, 
90% of the time I'll get 60% or better conception rate. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, Jeff. That, that's called CoSync 7? The, the, yeah, seven-day CoSync with Cedar, yep. It is the kind of original Cedar protocol, and it's three times through the shoot. So you're minimizing your, your labor inputs as much as you can. Um, so a lot of folks will do a Saturday, Saturday, you know, uh, Tuesday thing, right? Um, and, uh, and so they really only have to take one day off work um, and, uh, or at least a half day. I mean, it doesn't take, it doesn't take as long as people think to AI, you know, uh, typically if you're running between 20 and 40 cows, the total amount of time it's going to take to get through the process working with a professional now is two hours. It's just not going to take very long. It takes about as long for 40 as it does 20. I know that sounds weird, but you know, most of your time input is actually getting the cattle up and getting them through versus getting the breeding done. I mean, a professional can get the AI done in a couple of minutes at most, at most. And, you know, it's it, it just doesn't take as long as a lot of people think. The key is low stress handling of the cows so that the cows will go through the system very easily. And uh, because you're running them through multiple times, we want to have good facilities low stress handling and then that low stress handling also will likely lead to better conception rates significantly better i mean you, you can you can see a 15 percent reduction in fertility conception rate uh with high stress handling so yeah, yeah that's a great so point. all right so we covered that we covered that protocol what, what would be the other you said you have two for cows right. what's the other one for cows? New, new one was developed by the university of missouri uh, jordan thomas and dave patterson um, that that does show potential uh, for being, you know, uh, an improvement over the, the seven-day system. This one's called 7 and 7 sync. And so on the first day of that, you put the cedar in, and instead of GnRH, we give prostaglandin. One week after that, we give a shot of GnRH. A week after that, we pull the cedar and give another shot of prostaglandin. And I want to explain the biology here a little bit. One of the inefficiencies of the seven-day cosync is that the generate shot that you give when you put the cedar in isn't 100% effective in all cows. Okay? And so we don't control the follicles in every cow with a seven-day cosync. One way we can control follicles better is if we create a situation where we make follicles grow for a period of time to get more of them receptive to GnRH. And that's what the seven and seven system does. So we put the cedar in and we give prostaglandin. If they happen to have a CL on their ovary at that time, that CL will regress with the prostaglandin, but will hold them out of heat with the cedar device. Okay. Now, the first day you put the cedar in, you're going to get like six nanograms of progesterone. But over time, that kind of declines a little bit, right? Well, over that seven-day period, if it started at six, it's going to be at five. And what the brain does is the brain sees the levels. And as that declines a little bit, it starts producing a little bit more LH. 
and whatever follicle was on that ovary at that at the time of prostaglandin, that follicle will stick around and grow a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger instead of regressing. And so what we do with this first seven-day period is we give, we create a situation where we have a higher population of females with a follicle that will respond to GnRH. So then we give them GnRH, and in a greater population, we get that follicle to ovulate and start a new wave of follicles growing, which is the key. We want a new wave growing in as many cattle as possible because we know, based upon very good research, that that optimizes fertility. So then we start that new follicle growing in a larger percentage of cows than normal. Seven days later, we pull the cedar and give another shot of loot. So if any of that GnRH will form, will cause some CL to form, right? So we got to get rid of those, those CL and anything that is still hanging around from the first shot, pull the cedar, 66 hours later, we do our timed AI again. And as, you know, if you, if you use biologic, okay, so logic based upon the biology, this should increase estrus, the estrus response rate, and it does. Okay, I mean, in, in the work that Jordan published, you're looking at 85% of the cows are in heat by 66 hours versus 60 to 65% normally with a seven-day system. Um, this increased estrus response has led to higher conception rates and pregnancy rates to AI. Um, you'll see anywhere from a three to up to an 8% increase in pregnancy rate to AI, um, which is a significant enough increase to consider using this protocol. Um, you may have to look at a split time thing because every now and then you'll get a, a few more of them to come into heat a little bit early. Um, split time means maybe you have the technician there at you know, at 60 hours and then again at 72 or something like that, um, depending upon how your cows are res have responded to the, uh, to the drugs. But just based on that 66 hour window, we're looking at a, at a solid 6% increase in conception rate, which is, you know, worth the additional time through the shoot for a lot of people. Um, Jordan had several hundred cows and that, that or Dr. Thomas, I should say, had several hundred cows in that uh, in that uh, trial, and so the data are pretty reliable. Um, I have used this personally a little bit. Um, I'll be honest with you; I'm 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 very happy with the seven day system, and I have the tendency to want to stay there simply because uh, it's 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 very easy, you know, and it's very reliable. And I, I'm sure the seven and seven will be as well. The times that I have used it, every single cow has been in heat, Jeff. Everyone. Go out there, you've got 40, you got 40 cows and 38 cows are in heat at 66 hours. And that instills a level of confidence in me when I get there and every patch that we put on that cow is red, indicating that she's been in heat. And our conception rates have been very good. Um, I have not done personally a seven and seven versus seven day on the same farm. But, you know, I kind of use, you know, 60% as my control, you know, and we were in the mid to upper 60s 
with the seven and seven, the times that we've used it. And, and it, you know, I would say that it is a good solid improvement um, in conception rate to AI. Uh, and, and it certainly is a, a huge improvement in estrus response rate. Dad Jordan also has some data, Dr. Thomas at Missouri has some data on sex semen and it does, you know, it, it improves conception rate used to sex semen as well. So if you're going to use the gender control uh, semen, like we talked about in a podcast, um, certainly the seven and seven is something that you need to really consider using because 85% of those cows come in heat. And I, you know, my, my experience was actually greater than that. I mean, I, we had almost, we had all of them in heat on one farm. We had all of them, but two on another farm. And you're talking about, you know, 40, 50, 60 cows and everything's in heat. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty impressive when you get out there, you know? So that, that's a system that I, if you're using gender control, I highly recommend it. Um, if you don't mind that extra time through the shoot and you, your goal is higher conception rate, I would recommend it because it, it is an improvement over, over the seven day system. Are there any negative effects or drawbacks to, to moving those extra seven days? Cause you're essentially one more time through the shoot and one more shot. So you're given two shots of prostaglandin and two shots of GnRH. Um, and actually that second shot of GnRH, the one at breeding, if you put a patch on them and she's got a red patch or, you know, for a fact, she's in heat. You don't have to give the GnRH, so you could save yourself a little cost there. Um, but uh, you know, it's one more time through the shoot, so you've got you'll have four times total through the shoot in a 17-day period um, versus three times. You know, and you know some some people, you know, I, I get I'm, I'm getting a little bit of pushback from some of the guys that I do a lot of work with. I mean, I you know I've got some people that I rely heavily on to give me some data and that extra time through the shoot means something to them. And so consider that when you're trying to pick your system, because that, that is, that's, that's a slightly more cost, but the real issue there is that one, one more labor. So if you have to, to pay labor to come in to help you, you know, that's, that's, that's one more expense you're going to have to have. Um, if you count your time, uh, against your enterprise, um, then that's expense also. So that, that's the only pushback on that seven and seven. I've really, I've really had with the people that we use. I will say, I, I really like walking onto a, you know, driving up, getting out of the Jeep, going to the corral and every patch is red. I mean, I'm telling you what, right then I'm, I'm excited because I know we're going to get, we're going to get good pregnancy rates there. So here's a different way to look at it too, maybe, or just in my mind, as some of the discussions we've had, um, would, would a seven and seven be more appropriate for maybe um, those younger cows or first calf heifers versus mature cows? Just thinking through that process. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it would. Um, the There's been some research on the length of time, length of exposure to progesterone, uh, to anesterous females. So those young females are more likely to be anesterous. And so, you know, the longer you expose that anesterous cow to a progestin, the more likely you are to get her to respond to and come into heat. 
Um, the great thing about an anesterous cow is you don't have to worry about um, persistent follicles or anything like that because you can't grow a persistent follicle in an, in an anesterous cow. But the, you know, the minimum exposure needed is five days. But the longer you expose an, an, an estrus female to progesterone, the greater the opportunity she is to respond. And so for your two-year-olds, it certainly is something I would highly recommend um, because a lot, you know, our two-year-olds are three to four months an estrus on average. And, you know, they're going to need that extra help. So Excellent, excellent. Well, that, that's a pretty good comparison and overview of kind of the, the two different systems that use the seeders and um, um, any last kind of thoughts or comments that you have of, of rationalizing between the uh, seven day versus the 14 day kind of protocol? No, in, in your cows, um, you know, it's really all about that extra time through the shoot. Uh, and if, if you're using gender control semen, I definitely would do the seven and seven, but otherwise you really just, it's just all about what, you know, your individual, um, goals are. If your goals are to maximize conception rate, I'd probably go with seven and seven. If your goals are to maximize the efficiency, uh, of your process, you know, that one less time through the shoot with nearly the same pregnancy rate, I'd, I'd go with seven and seven. Um, you know, and that's just in cows. We, we haven't done heifers yet, uh, and, and heifers are going to be hard. Um, AI in heifers is a pain in the rear, um, and I, I have grown to absolutely hate it <laughs> because we, have, we don't really have a very consistent – AI protocol for heifers. And, uh, um, so you want me to jump right into that or do you want you, what do you want to, what do you want to do here? Sure. Let's just kind of jump in on that protocol. That's kind of the, the ideal protocol. Then if we're thinking about these heifers that we're bringing in to get pregnant for the first time. All right. So I'm, you know, for your yearling heifers that you're trying to get pregnant for the first time, uh, one thing that you have to keep in mind is GnRH is not very effective. So we remember we talked about the reason for seven and seven over the seven day cosync was that we were able to increase the population of cows that have a, a follicle able to respond to GnRH. Heifers have more problems than cows responding to GnRH. Um, and so biologically, you know, again, applying logic to biology, one would think the seven and seven would be a really good system to use in heifers, but that hadn't panned out to be the case. Um, actually talking with Dr. Thomas and, and others, um, they don't really recommend it for heifers. And so, you know, we're still stuck with difficult protocols to maximize pregnancy rate in our yearling heifers. Um, the kind of standard is the seven-day cosync uh, that we use in cows, but we, we apply that to heifers. And to do that, you have to go at around 54 hours instead of 66. And that makes that, that a little bit tougher. So, you know, it's 48 hours plus six minus 72 hours minus six. And so when you're scheduling that, um, heifers respond quicker. Um, 
to the cedar pole and prostaglandin and cows, and that makes it very difficult uh, on our scheduling. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to say you can't – pregnancy rates in timed AI in heifers is poorer than cows. It shouldn't be, but it is. It just is. You know, if I get 60% in heifers, I'm thrilled. Normally, you're looking at 55, Jeff, and I don't like 55. 55 to me is that area where it's really kind of kind of gray on whether or not it was a profitable enterprise for you. And so then you got to start looking at Cavanese differences and all that stuff. And I'm not a big fan of 55. Um, I, and I, I, I'm be a blunt too. I don't like the seven day system at 54 hours and heifers. Uh, I've have gotten along pretty good with it sometimes. And then I've had some absolute freaking disasters and I don't, I will any protocol that gives me more than one 30 percenter, I scratch it off the list. And the variation in that system and heifers is just too great for me. I don't use it. MGA for 14 days followed 19 days later by prostaglandin. Uh, if you're going to check heat and AI, that's a fantastic system. Uh, not very good for timed AI. Um, they've got a modification of a 14-day cedar, followed 16 days later with a prostaglandin, and then 72 hours later, time day I, I get 53 to 55% in that, you know, pretty consistently, not had any, not had any wrecks, but also haven't had very many home runs. Um, there's a five-day system with a cedar where you, you give GnRH when you put the cedar in, you know, on the sixth day or five days later, you pull the cedar and give a shot of loot. And then eight hours later, you give another shot of loot. And then you breed them at 72 hours. That, that system works awesome. It works awesome. But you're putting the cattle through a hundred times, you know, and folks don't. I mean, that, that's really the highest conception rate system you can do. Um what we use right now is a modification of that. Uh, I, I don't give the GnRH when I put the cedar in. So that's a Monday. I put the cedar in on Monday. On Saturday morning, I pull the cedar out and give loot and put a heat patch on. So a heat patch is the Estrotech or the, you know, a lot of companies make those now. But they're, they're the devices you put on the tail head that when they're activated, you know she's been in heat. So if I do that on a Saturday, on Monday morning, I go out. And everything that's got a red patch, I breed them Monday afternoon. Then I breed everything else Tuesday morning. So we call that split time AI. And when I do split time AI using that protocol, I can get consistently between 60 and 70% conception. It's the only time I can do that in heifers. And it is a labor issue for me because if I'm working on farms, that, make, that means I got to be there twice, you know. And so that's a, that's a labor issue for me. And I don't like that. But bluntly, it's worth 10% for me, you know. And so that's the system we use at our farms. That's the system that, that uh, I recommend. We've, we've got several years testing on that. If you do the split time AI, you'll be very happy. If you don't, then you're just you're you're down in the mid fifties with everybody else. And so, uh, 
if you can't get that first AI in there, then it's not going to hurt you. Just go ahead and time AI them in 72 hours and you'll, you'll be in that low, low to mid 50 range, just like all the other protocols. Um, other people in other places have had more luck with the 14 day MGA protocol than I have. Um, I don't know how to uh, rectify that uh, or, you know, I, I don't know why that is. Um, but so they might consider the 14 day Cedar 16 days later loot protocol. Um, but if, you know, the one I use, the one I will always use is the modified five day with split time AI. Cause that when I leave after prank check, I'm happy there. And if I leave after prank check with anything else, I'm not happy. Yeah. And I think then it just becomes a decision on, you know, what your, what your goals are and what you're trying to target and thinking about that labor cost and the work required to get animals up and move through the chute and the extra times and those things. And uh, it, it does make a difference, right? I mean, and especially if you've got a little bit more of a challenge on your system to get animals up and through and they don't work as easily through it, it's probably not worth the additional time to run through. Yeah, you know, the uh, the goal we, we all have in reproduction for sync systems is to have the one protocol that works for every animal. And I, my hope when I first saw the seven and seven in an abstract form a few years ago was, man, this is, this is the ticket because of the bio logic. It should work. It should work perfectly in every, in every class of female. Um, and I'm not going to say that, you know, I am, I'm, we got to hold off because on, on our declaration that it just completely doesn't work in heifers. George, you know, Dr. Thomas at MU said don't use it in heifers. Um, I've had a few people that have had pretty good luck with it in heifers. Um, I have not personally used it on anything in heifers. Um, Brandon Oliver down in Western Kentucky did a, did a set of heifers down there. Used sex sorted semen on them. Got 61%. Thought that was really good. Um, but, um, the logic behind it, it should work. So let's, let's hold off a little bit on, you know, I, I got made a blank declaration. I shouldn't have done that. The data right now suggests that it's not effective in heifers, but, you know, I think we need a few more numbers and a few more, um, locations and, you know, places to really make that blanket blanket declaration and be really nice, Jeff. If we had one system, we could use them both heifers and cows and breed all them rascals at the same doggone time. Yeah. Sometimes it this doesn't work that way though. No. No, the dairy guys would agree that cows and heifers are different, but they have the opposite problem. <laughs> they can get their heifers red but not their cows. So all of these protocols are kind of approved by a, a kind of a national reproductive group and they work on getting these protocols into uh, the hands of the semen suppliers and, and they can find these protocols usually either on their websites or in the back of the of the semen catalogs and that too so if you need additional resources you can you can look there and then you know i know less you've got information out there too on on the protocols so they're uh, they're easy to find and get your hands on, and it graphically maybe will make more sense once you see uh, what we talked about here on those protocols. And 
um, kind of work through those and, yeah. and kind of see the timing and when everything needs to be done. And I think you mentioned this, but the, the key, key thing to remember is to kind of work back backward from when that technician is going to be there to breed cows. And so it's really important that you get in touch with them so that you can then work backwards on when things need to be done on this protocols. That's exactly right. Them, you know, you gotta, you know, keep in mind there are a limited number of technicians in, in the state and their time is pretty, pretty well spoken for, you know, April, May, June, and you know, November, December, January, you know, when folks are trying to breed for fall and spring calvers and, uh, the faster, you know, you identify when they can be on your farm and get that time scheduled, then you work backwards to put everything else together. Um, you, you just, you have to do it that way. And if they can't be on your place until three o'clock on a particular day, that's fine. You just, you just adjust a little bit on your cedar pole. Um, and also, you know, one thing that, that people kind of struggle with a little bit is that the numbers that we give you are based upon the averages that we see over large populations. And, but that doesn't mean that they won't get pregnant if you have to adjust a little bit earlier or a little bit later. So for instance, on all of our, originally when we did the seven day co-sync, we did everything at 48 hours, Jeff. And you know what? We got a lot of cattle pregnant. And then we adjusted it to 72 hours and you know what? We got a lot of cattle pregnant. But when we went to 66, we got the most pregnant most of the time. And so you can, if you, if you need to go to 64, there's not going to be a real discernible difference there. If you need to go at 68, there's not going to be a discernible difference there. If you got to go at 72, there's not going to be a real discernible difference there most of the time. And so you, there is a little bit of play around the number. That 66 is what we recommend, you know. And so it just that you, you don't. I don't really do 48 hours much anymore, but I, I, I did it the other day. We had our second round of AI set up at uh, at, at a farm for December 23rd. Remember what happened on December 23rd? Cold front came in. Okay, and then the farm that I was supposed to be in, uh, the farmer sent me the uh, 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 weather thing that morning. It was minus six with a 25 mile an hour wind and he, we were outside. So we would have been breeding in minus 30 degree wind chill factor. Um, well, the day before that, it was 55 degrees. I don't know if you remember. So we bred as late as we could on that on that on Thursday because that Friday is when that front was, was coming through. And, you know, we will get some of those cattle pregnant, breeding them Thursday night. We wouldn't have got any of them bred Friday. I'll be honest with you. Because you wouldn't have been out there. Well, we were <laughs> trying to figure out ways to do it, but then, you know, every once in a while, you gotta be, you, you gotta be smart enough to come in out of the rain, you know, and we, that's right. You know, you weigh those options, and I only bring that up because I know we'll get some of those cattle pregnant. You know, and it wasn't perfect timing, but it, it didn't matter 
It was better timing than if we'd have done it in the middle of a downpour or a horrible cold front or something like that coming in that just completely eliminates your ability to breed. So there's a variation around it. And just, you know, if anybody has any questions, the best place to start is just call your agent uh, or your semen provider. Um, But if you don't, if you don't have much experience, call your agent, your agent can get a hold of us. We can work you through stuff. I mean, our agents do a really good job, have good knowledge on these protocols. I think I went through all of them in the beef book, our recent edition of the beef book, Jeff. So there's that resource. And then, like you said, every single semen company, Slug Sires, ABS, ST, Gen X, every one of them will have these protocols in their books and available. And those technicians the semen providers are very knowledgeable in these areas and they'll give you good advice. Excellent. Well, that's a good run through on the protocols that folks can consider when we're looking at artificially inseminating cattle and, and trying to synchronize estrus. And um, for more information, like Les said, uh, reach out to your county extension office and, and visit with your uh, agricultural agent for more information or get a hold of your uh, semen provider and, and discuss with them about uh, the protocols that may be most effective in your operation for meeting your goals and getting the highest potential conception rates that you can using artificial insemination. Les, thanks a bunch for being with us again, and uh, we look forward to chatting to you here in the future. You bet. A lot of fun, man. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Beef Bits podcast. That was episode three on thinking about reproductive technologies as we move into the spring breeding season with Dr. Les Anderson. I appreciate you joining us and hope you enjoyed this three-part series. And we look forward to your feedback. As always, click that subscribe button so you get the new episodes as they come back. And be sure to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes of the Beef Bits podcast. Take care and have a great spring. Thank you.